Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Book Club on Sunrise Robot, where we accurately predict the next big blockbuster. I'm Tara. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. So how are you guys? Tired. (laughs) (laughs) Doing all right. (laughs) Getting over some laryngitis, so my voice is going to sound a little funny today. (laughs) Aw. Well, you sound good to me on my end. That's what I said earlier. Um, (laughs) Not much book reading, unfortunately, because I've been so busy. Oh, preach. Preach (coughs) seven days until my wedding. Yay! Seven days until my wedding, so... Next time we podcast, I will not bring up the wedding again. It will be like a miracle. And you will be <laughs> What are we reading now, then? If we've um, had some time. Well, I'm reading Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. And it's a, it's a book I would not have picked up because it's about, um, like, house mothers <laughs> and the politics around their school and like there's this big mystery like a murder mystery behind it and you're trying to figure out who did it and like you follow these three women and kind of figure out their backstory so it's actually really interesting and really good that's really cool mm-hmm. yeah uh seating charts <laughs> i mean again i promise next time i'll have an actual book to talk about seating charts the novel by Tara Newman. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How to plan a vineyard wedding. <laughs> Tara Newman. How about you, Jeanette? Yeah. Well, I am reading... Vi- well, I just, I'm actually between books. I just finished Vicious by V.E. Schwab, which is about a couple of college students who give themselves superpowers. Oh, which is, of course, right up my alley. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's pretty cool. It's not what it wasn't what I expected because it kind of touches on some issues of morality and ethics and belonging things like that so it's pretty interesting and the superpowers aren't what I would have expected either um so I've just finished that and that was really good I recommend that one and I'm starting Unearthly by Cynthia Hand which is supposed to be about a girl who is part angel and she's accomplishing some kind of mission but that's all I've got so far that also sounds interesting. That that does. Let us know how that goes. Mm-hmm. We'll do. I will. In the meantime, we have some eclectic reader news. Um, in our book club, ladies and gentlemen, we have a good history of predicting the next book that will be turned into some kind of movie or TV show. We have, and we counted just now, so we know we have picked seven so far, not including In Cold Blood, which is going to be turned into yet another miniseries produced by Gary Oldman. But we don't have any more news. Yeah. So they put that on the screen. That's a great pairing. Gary Oldman and In Cold Blood. And the Weinstein Company. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good book too. Mm-hmm. It, was. it was a good book, and it's been on screen so many times because it is such a good book. But Gary Oldman is just a weirdly accurate pairing as a I producer. Know. Yes, I know. Yep. Um, I can I admit that I'm super excited for the Shadowhunter show. Yes, <laughs> the Shadowhunters, which now um, has a almost a full cast. I know, I know. I it, I mean, it bombed in the box office, but I truly believe... Um, so the Shadowhunter show is based on the Mortal Instruments series by Cassandra Clare, which we read the first of, which is called City of Bones. 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 Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I've read the whole series, so that was really hard for me to remember which one the first book was. <laughs> um, and the movie, which was entitled Mortal Instruments, bombed terribly. Did you see like, it? Just, like, actually I did. See it? A okay. lot. I've actually watched it a lot. So, I mean, that tells you how much I love this series. Um, be- because while the movie is not great, and it's not great because... They take away all the things that make the Shadowhunter world interesting. Like, they take away the names and, like, the things that really differentiate it from being just like, hey, we're teenagers with sores and semi-powerful. And so it didn't feel unique. It just felt stupid, stupid generic. The acting, though, the cast was really good for the movie. The cast was stupid good for the movie. So I have high expectations of the show. (laughs) I don't think you want to leave it too high then because, you know, what if it's not so good regardless of cast? Uh, then it disappoints me. <laughs> I can't help it. Um, anything I love, I fangirl over. Hello, do you know me? <laughs> I, mean, I think we've got a good chance. I think it's really interesting um, that Cassandra Clare, the author of the series, is going to be writing an episode. And I kind of like when <gasps> authors write. What? What? I had not heard that. <laughs> yes, she's going to be writing at least one episode. Um, I like the idea, or maybe she's co-writing it, but um, I like the idea of authors writing their own visions when they get to the screen, because I feel like that's truer if they're yeah. if the authors are consulted or if they're involved somehow. I agree. She was super, so in the movie world, she was super involved in casting decisions, and what who had the right chemistry and who had the right look and all that sort of different stuff, but had absolutely no impact on the script and final version of the script. Um, well, that makes which sense, I think then. shows yeah a lot why the movie is so <laughs> terrible, so terrible. Um, they, but they've been consulting her a lot for a TV show casting wise too. She so far has given her thumbs up for every single cast member chosen. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and they've cast. Clary, Jace, Simon, Isabel, Alec, and Luke, and I'm kind of excited about Luke because it's Isaiah Mustafa, whom I wouldn't have picked for that role, but I think that could be really interesting. Hold yeah. up. Wait a minute. I did not know about Alec and Luke. What yes. has happened this weekend? Okay. <laughs> Can you... What is... Who? Who is okay. Alec and Luke? <clears throat> so, I'm going to go through the whole cast because I am. All right. Good um, for you. So Clary Frey is going to be Catherine McNamara, whom I did not know she had been cast, but... She's perfect, too. Have you looked at her? Like, seen her face? Yeah, I was looking at her this morning, and yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited. (laughs) She definitely looks like a Clary... I mean, one thing to note is that they've aged... For the series, they've aged the characters up a couple of years, so she does look the part. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of years too old, yeah. but whatever. They've, they've made them like freshmen, freshmen in college because they don't want to talk about. Oh yeah, I mean that makes situations sense. Situations with and because with they are older, teenagers. aging them a couple of years is no big deal compared to you know if they're in elementary school. I mean, yeah. at, at this point, thanks to Game of Thrones, I accept that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I think I still think it's a smart decision, though. I think they will be a more interesting cast a little older. Um, but yes, so Catherine McNamara as Clary, Dominic Sherwood as Jace, Alberto Rosende as Simon. 
He's great. I don't. He's perfect too. I yeah. like his face for Simon. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna just tear up her name, but Emerald Tobia for Isabel. Mm-hmm. She's gorgeous. She is gorgeous, and Isabel's gorgeous. Yeah, so. so it's a great. I actually think of all. I know that um, she's Latin, and some people like had this weird thing about it. But I, I support blind casting, and I think she totally has the look nailed down. I think she is stunning, and really, that's like the main characteristic of Isabel. Do you have dark yeah. hair? And are you stunning? Congrats! That's- you have to be stunning and sassy. If yeah. she can pull that off, we're good. <laughs> um, Matthew Daddario for Alec. Who I just pulled up while you... <laughs> of course. Who also looks perfect and definitely looks like the actress they got for Isabel. So happy there. Yes. And again, Isaiah Mustafa for Luke. Yeah. Oh my God. Which again, I would not have called, but it's... I think he'll be so good in that role. It's yeah, more proof of the unusual. blind casting choices. And I think... I mean, I mean, but how do you choose someone over Isaiah? This is this is now my thing, right? How do you choose anyone over Isaiah Mustafa, <laughs> Jocelyn Frey? How do you choose Valentine? So they've got to make Valentine like great looking. Like yeah, they're be- gonna have to make Jocelyn and and Valentine really, really impressive. Like to go with Isaiah Mustafa for real. I am not kidding. And like Valentine has to be. I mean. I mean, Jonathan Rhys Myers, you're cute and all, don't get me wrong, but way more attractive than you. Who played Valentine in the movie, in case, um, but like, in case you didn't see it, I guess. Um, but way more attractive than Jonathan Rhys Myers. I mean, it, pfft, I don't know. <laughs> I'm now nervous for the Valentine casting. <laughs> I mean, well, we won't really gonna, know it, until it actually airs. Here's yeah. crossing fingers that it'll be fantastic. What do you mean? We're not I'm hoping. Until, until the episode actually airs? We're not going to know? We're not going to know how they do. Oh, sure. Do. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I thought, look. I was like, we're not going to oh, know no, who no, Valentine's no. playing? Although, although they, they could totally change me? makeup. I mean, uh, no, it's look at the oh new gosh. Joker. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, if they did keep, the, uh, keep Valentine, like, the casting a secret until the no, show aired? Nope. Nope, hate. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. That'd be so mean. That, oh, no. No, that he, because in in the book, Valentine is such a mystery, and he's like he's kind of like haunting these people. I think it would be amazing, an amazing effect to just not I mean, show who it is, not Jeanette, tell who it is until he shows up. Jeanette, I totally get that point. I really do. But you just I, like spoilers. I, I don't, it's not that I don't like spoilers. I would just literally die if I didn't know. Well, not literally. That's, <laughs> that, but, you know, I'd fangirl die. I would, I would just be, uh, it would be cool to sort of like have him in the background in a few shots and not know that it's Valentine watching. There are things that would be cool. I'm not saying there wouldn't be, but I just, I just can't, you guys. I think it would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be really smart on their part, you know? So who, that. who do we have left to cast, though, other than Valentine? Um, Max, Max. Jocelyn, and Valentine. Magnus. Oh, you said other than Valentine. Um, Mag- Magnus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're uh, almost done. That's great. They, 
they're almost done with the main cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some other um, supporting. Roles. There's some bigger supporting roles, but I don't know if they're going to bring in. There are characters that have come into later in the books. I don't know if they're going to bring them in so early in the well, sure. they've, show. They've got to cast Hodge. That's true. Mm, and they've yeah, got to cast Maurice and Robert. Um, who else do they have to cast? Uh, that pixie chick, but only if they choose to. <laughs> I guess they don't have to. The, the fairy waitress. In the diner. Of course. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, no, no. What's his face? The vampire kid. Um, oh, oh right. Um, um, oh, this is really terrible. Raphael. Raphael! Yes. I, yeah, no, Raphael. They need to cast Raphael. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about this being a TV show is that they can kind of take their time because they don't have to immediately introduce these characters. Yeah. Totally. Do you but, think there's any chance that Godfrey Gao... Godfrey, Godfrey Gao will uh, will do this show because he was so perfect as Magnus. You guys like so perfect. I was gonna say I don't know him. <laughs> Look him up. He's unbelievably hot. <laughs> and for gay Asian warlock, was, <laughs> I approve. <laughs> I mean, anything is possible. You never well, he's know. Okay, she's bye, 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 Asian. So good looking. You never know. Well, speaking of exciting books and times, um, we just finished reading another exciting book, Wool. Yes, by Hugh Howie. So let me give. Let's do a, a little summary here for our main book. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic world where people live in silos and everything is controlled, from what career path you take to controlling the population. Um, So with the actions of one man and the appointment of Juliet as sheriff, things start happening in the silo where secrets are beginning to be revealed. Um, So it's a pretty, pretty good book, guys. Um, What was one thing that stood out to you for this book? I would say if there's one thing that stood out to me, I the first time I was reading it was how well you really um, come to identify with and support the main character, which switches from part to part because it was originally a five-part series of short stories. And I think Howie does a great job of making you really identify with these characters, some of which aren't around for very long, but you really feel that when they're gone um but Juliet when she becomes sheriff like I just loved her I thought she was amazingly well written I thought she was pretty badass so I really liked how how he characterizes his characters Mm -hmm. Tara I really like the first part the best which I think it's a lot of not a ton of attention um the part with an I'm going to forget this, so it. I, I feel really bad about this, but the part with Johns and um, Marge. Yes, I think their story is so freaking sad. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, all right, and that there are tons of Romeo and Juliet uh, quotes throughout 
the book. So I think that we talked about uh, last time, why are there Romeo and Juliet quotes by Shakespeare throughout the entire book? And we talked about a bunch of different reasons. And at the time, I hadn't finished. Sorry. Um, but I have now. And I just feel like it's to remind you so much of what individual characters have lost for nothing. And I think it's supposed to harken back to their romance and their, you know, and, and, and either the romance between them or the romance between the first sheriff and his wife. So they are always talking about those two bodies out on the hill. And I, I think it's just to remind you what stupidity can lose you. Um, and ignorance can lose you. And Yeah, I was going to say, not really stupidity. Ignorance, definitely. Yeah, ignorance. Oh, for um, sure. Yep. No, 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 not stupidity in there, but yeah. ignorance is definitely the correct word. Mm-hmm. But it, what, it, what, it, what it costs. Um, and I really, the amount of time we spent with those characters and the impact it had with me throughout the entire book was very large. So I, I really liked the beginning. Okay. Yeah, and this book was pretty much an omnibus because it was a group of short stories put into this book. Um, I'm kind of glad I read it all at once because then you can really remember stuff like that because they don't talk about Romeus and Juliet until later on, you know, and obviously the one with the the original sheriff and his wife is in book one, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really... That's a really good point. Um, so let's let's talk about the silos here, because that's obviously where everything takes place. Um, what do you think of how the silo was built? Because this is where, you know, they live their life. And, I mean, it's huge and complicated. Did- well, I think it's deliberately complicated. Right. I think it's deliberately meant to be huge and complicated so that people are distanced from each other. The idea is to make anything that people could discuss taboo and make it hard for them to discuss it anyway. So anything you could question can any questioning anything will get you thrown out of the silo and you don't know who you can talk to anyways, because you never get to see people from other lifestyles because mm-hmm. if you're the sheriff, you're living on the top floor, whereas if you want to talk about it to somebody from mechanical, you have to go 140-odd floors down to even find somebody. Right. So it's really made deliberately complicated to conceal these secrets. Um, right. So I have I, I, one, yeah, yeah. I mean, they how they organize the silo... I think is deliberately built to uh, to house secrets and to keep things, you know, not quite on the up and up. Um, But how the silo was itself physically built, I think, is out of necessity. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need all those one hundred and forty something floors; they all do something, right? Um, So I don't know. I, 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 I guess, like, I think the infrastructure plan came first the secrets plan came second or at least that's what i would like to think that makes sense i mean it it makes me wonder 
you know, when they started planning this, like this, this would have taken a long time to plan and then a long time to build. So how much time did they have knowing that this catastrophe, whatever it was, happened? I think they were probably well aware of it. And I think this was actually well thought out. And I think a lot of the secrets actually were involved Mm -hmm. before the silo was built. Not all of them. I think some of them came to be. But I think it's very, very interesting that the silos don't have elevators. And you would think that they would have some kind of elevators, some kind of pulley system, something in order to at least transport messages back and forth in case of an emergency. And there's not even, like, a dumbwaiter you can transport a message in anywhere in the silo. You have to physically... Yes, but not everybody has access to a radio. Yeah. And they were, like, old-school walkie-talkies, you know? So you had to be on a specific channel to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and not everybody has access, and you would mm -hmm. think, you know... In case of emergency, a fire, a crime or something, you would want to be able to transport a message to a deputy very quickly. Mm-hmm. And they only have porters and stairs. Well, they have email, but it costs a lot. Yes. On purpose. you know. On purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which... That, that is an insanely deliberate design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, when you mentioned about things being deliberate before and after the silo being built, like... Obviously, they don't know what kind of problems would appear until the the silo is built and the you know the silo community has started to really become a community. True. Um, do you think that charging an insane amount of money for an email happened then, like after the silo has been built, or before? Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened after. Yeah, but. I think I think that's an after thing too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, according to Bernard, at one point he says they had decades to plan this, decades mm-hmm. to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, but after every uprising, you know, there were new rules in place. Certain things started over. I think <clears throat> every uprising, people learned from it and added or took away mm-hmm. a new rule exactly. Or two. Right. I wouldn't yes. be surprised if email took a large form in the first uprising. Mm. Yeah. I can see that. Yep. Um, so it, that's probably one of the reasons why there was no open communication. Because at the by the end of the book, we know there's 50 silos right. in the world we know so far. Um, but they do not communicate with each other. Nope. Um, so that with the uprising is probably why they don't encourage it and the well i like what solo says you know Mm -hmm. bad seeds like if one has one bad day it only affects one if if they're all communicating and one has a bad day it could affect everyone right Mm -hmm. yep no and in that sense i understand and agree if you want to keep people from communicating in order to make sure that at least one silo survives sure because you don't want uprisings to spread or people blowing up multiple silos Mm -hmm. in in a 
revolution or a fit of crazy. But, yeah, a lot of the secrecy is very... It's devious, you know? It's manipulative. Mm-hmm. Also really smart. Um, yes. Like, it makes a wrong kind of sense. <laughs> I mean, it's really yeah. smart. And to people like us, who have a lot of freedom and don't live in a post-apocalyptic world, they seem insanely restrictive. But when you think about it, these rules were put in place to legitimately make it so that these people survive. The last people on Earth survive. That's, or at least that's what we're assuming, that is kind of really important. I mean, I, um, and a lot of them make sense. That sounds horrible, but I mean, it, I, I have a hard time really, I understand why people in the silos, when they learn new information, revolt. Because it feels like a betrayal. But I understand why the rules were put into place in the first place, too. And a lot of the rules do make sense. You know, like I said, not communicating between silos, I think, makes perfect sense. I think what where I feel like it's a little devious and manipulative is that the silos and the heads of the silos openly... They openly admit that they're concealing... why everybody's in silos to begin with. They're concealing their responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a problem. Well, to change that would to change their religion. And their religion is one of the ways they keep their people in check. So I think think it's a lie that has built into a community, that has built into a faith, and to change people, and to give people information that actively changes their faith is dangerous. Really, really, really dangerous um, as we know in this world. So I think that that is one of the main reasons. Yes, but it's a faith they created to hide their own responsibility. So it's just a vicious circle is what that is. But to fix this now, I think it would kill... I mean, I think it would... That that kills people. I mean... Oh, I don't mean to fix it now. I mean, well, you know, there's a certain amount to be said about fixing it versus not fixing it now. I'm saying to create it to begin with Mm. is devious. Yeah, that's true. So do you think that was an effective way to keep humanity alive? All that deviousness? You think if they were more open about what they were doing, it would have been better? I think if more people had known, it would be better. Mm. I'm not saying everybody. I think it makes sense that... I, I, you know, I think it seems like the heads of IT are, are typically the only people who know, plus their shadow, know what's going on. That's, like, typically the way things work. And I think that's crazy. Um, <laughs> I think that's really, 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 really insane. And I think that had more people known, like a cabinet, like like any other political system, it's never just one guy, you know? Um you, they would be able to squash problems faster, mm-hmm. I think, if there are more people in the know. Um, but do I think it's best to keep humanity basically in the dark? This sounds terrible, but in this situation, yes, the risk is too large. The risk is much too large. Um, I, I mean, and if you look at the map, 
Again, only three silos are marked out. Only three silos didn't survive. That's a great number. They're doing something correct. So, yes. Yeah, so technically speaking, they are incredibly effective, but morality speaking, not so much. In the silo we have seen. Right. Well, but do you, don't you think that there'd be some other kind of uprising in the other silos? There hasn't been. You heard them on the radio. There didn't seem to be legit problems in the other silos. Sure, but that was at this time. What if they had, you know, uprisings and stuff in the past that we just don't know about? And there is the fact that three silos are X'd out. I mean, we know that there were multiple uprisings in our silo that we're reading about, and the population survived. So how many more uprisings would have had to happen in those three silos, or how much more violent or aggressive would they have had to be for the silos to implode completely? Right. Right. Like Silo 17, you know? I mean, that's... I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here, (laughs) actually, uh, because I just said if more people know, maybe it would be better. But I was going to say in Silo 17, it seems like more people know. Like, he's the sheriff's son, right? And he gets put in the hole solo. So, like, the sheriff of that silo knew. Um, was he the sheriff's son? I thought he was the um, IT, yeah, the IT he was shadow. IT. Oh, he's the shadow son. You're right. Yeah, the yeah, shadow son. Right. My bad, my bad. Yeah, maybe. Right. Uh, never mind. I'm not shooting myself in the foot. Yeah. Example. <laughs> Example as to why more people should know. There we go. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, I think you have something there, Tara, where I think the leaders of each job, you know, like mm-hmm. supply and and the people like that should know kind of more of what's going on. Even the mayor didn't know. Right. She had no clue. Oh, and, man, you guys. You guys. And if there's anybody who should have known, it should have been John's. You're shooting yourself in the foot right now. You all hate Bernard. That's exactly Bernard's plan. That is exactly Bernard's plan, but y'all hate him. Because he's an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. He is an awful human. He, he's just an incredibly awful person. <laughs> Regardless of how he's trying to run the silo, he's just a bad human being. Yeah, this is not the same. Saying the mayor should know is not the same as saying, well, that's what Bernard's trying to do. Because Bernard's plan was to murder the mayor so he could become mayor. Yeah, and yeah, and, and he wanted both and jobs. And maintain power. Yeah, he wanted yeah. both jobs. He didn't want he just, both jobs. He wanted someone he trusted in his job, and he wanted to be mayor. At one point, I think he said that he could also be mayor. Or maybe that he, was, he was interim. He was interim. Yeah. He was the interim mayor, and he said for a while he could hold both yeah. jobs until they could have a new election. Yeah. That's what he was saying. Yeah. And that, that's why he decided um, Silas, is that the other guy's name, was Sims? Um, Sims. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sims was not um, was not good enough as a shadow. was like, I'm going to take Lucas. Lucas is going to be head of IT. Which if I was Sims, I would want to murder Lucas. Because I've been doing all <laughs> this work for this asshole. And then well, Lucas, Lucas came out of nowhere. Around. Out of nowhere! <laughs> I know. And that is one of the things, that, like, yeah. as much as I like the characterization that was yeah. one of those things that Howie did was like Lucas was just walking by and Bernard's like hey Lucas follow me yeah. you're gonna be my new <laughs> well, shadow it, it was simply it's just like Lucas is like 
like this guy you meet while he's like watching the stars and everything is cool and up and up and he works at IT but no big. And then the minute Juliet's gone, you find out like he's Bernard's BFF. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> no. I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that was one of the more unbelievable parts of the book. It's like you just wait. How? Yeah. I don't understand. We just met you. <laughs> yeah. And he was looking at the stars, which made me believe that he was going to be more towards, you know, the uprising and the mechanical and stuff, you know? Like, he wanted to know more of the outside world and know more, not be more entrenched in IT knowledge. Right. I mean, to be fair, that's all he's ever known, though. The servers it, are his babies. It is, but the fact that he was looking at the stars and charting them. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, open mind and all, you know? <laughs> it is kind of neat when characters do not fit into a hole, though. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it made him less predictive. Yes. I did not know what Lucas was going to do once I realized what his role was. I was like, well, you could kind of do anything. You could fuck anyone <laughs> over. So who are you going to choose? Yeah. And, you know... At the beginning, he does, when he introduces himself, he does talk about how he works in IT. So you do kind of wonder at that point, like, okay, whose side is he really on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, you know, he comes to take a much larger role than you would have suspected. But Oh, totally. For a love interest, which is how I monikered him in my brain for a long time. Well, it's kind of obvious at the beginning, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that he kept all her things. That was sweet. Yeah. That was really, really sweet. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's I'm not sitting there thinking he's going to die for it. He's like, I'm stuck in this hole <laughs> with all this shit on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of Lucas overall, but oh. I do think he's very sweet. Really? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of him either. Really? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Longer he's... than he shoots, what's her face? Oh, yeah. So oh, th- yeah, that, that was not okay. Uh, yeah, yes, the McLean. old lady. Yes. McLean, thank you. Yes. Now, in general, I feel like, and this is probably because as a character, he's very young and he's kind of naive, but I feel like he's, he's almost too naive and he's too wishy-washy at first in terms of, you know, He's been given this role, at literally just handed this role, and he can go either way with it, and he chooses to spend a good part of, you know, a good part of the fourth book, I want to say, you know, just trying to call Juliet on the radio. And that's pretty much his, most of his characters, call Juliet on the radio and read about things that happened in the past which helps us as readers know how the silos came to be, but it doesn't move the story along in any way. And he has sort of a central role to be doing nothing with it. And it kind of pisses me off because I'm like, you're so wishy-washy. Decide, either help Bernard or help Juliet, but don't just sit there making phone calls. Yeah, wishy-washy is a good, good word. That's literally, okay, I'm going to, in defense of Lucas, <laughs> Um, that's literally all he can do. I mean, he is stuck down there. 
If he left that area, they would, like, Bernard would have him cleaning in ten seconds flat. He is stuck there. That being said, um, you know, I think it added to the, what the fuckery at the end, when Lucas didn't make a decision on page, that we didn't see it on page. I think that that made the ending so surprising, you know, I I'll give you that. It does make it a little bit... It does make his the time he makes a decision more momentous because he hasn't done it before. Um, but it was so still it frustrating that. in between. It's like, because even though he couldn't do anything, he could have still made up his mind. He could have still had a conviction of how he felt about the whole situation. True. But he didn't. He just kept on talking to Julia and Julia's yelling at him like, I'm living proof that they're doing stuff that's not right and you're still like, meh. <laughs> I think it's all a big misunderstanding, Juliet. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll figure it out. That was I mean, really frustrating. Also, but he also has the proof in the books of what happens when bad things, you know what I mean? Like, So he's stuck in that position we were stuck in when what we were talking about at first is it better to have all these rules and stuff in place or is it better to share? You know what I mean? That he is literally stuck in that in-between place we were just talking about where he's like, well, in the past, bad shit happens when people know things, but it's sort of not okay. Um, <laughs> I get it. It's hard. This is a hard call. The stakes are super high. I think you guys are being really harsh. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I feel like he could have come to the conclusion of, hey, maybe if, like, we had a group of people who knew what was really going on, then we can come to better terms. But he was just kind of going back and forth. And it was, I don't think he was even, like, read, he had an encyclopedia. He wasn't reading the whole thing. So he didn't really get to have a good picture of that either. I mean, I'll... I think what I would have liked to see is what you were talking about, Susan, like um, an inner decision, Mm -hmm. just an inner conviction of any kind, which he doesn't have until the very end. So I would like to see that even if he, you know, kept doing what he did, at the very least, I would have known he stood for something as it stood like he was just kind of sitting there in, you know, in between land. Yeah. And for it a didn't, long time. Yeah, it didn't help that I was like, I already knew, like, we already knew, like, IT is in the wrong. They are bad people, <laughs> you know? Well, Bernard's in the wrong. That's Bernard's him. Yeah, they're, they're Bernard's in the wrong. In IT. Yeah, but... Bernard like, is an ass, yes, Bernard and I'm just going to say wrong. it. I mean, I'm going to repeat, though, other than killing Juliet and and poisoning... Um, John's? Well, he didn't mean to poison her. We um, don't know that. You're right, we don't know that. Yep. But other than, you know, I get it. I get what y'all are saying. I really do. I just, I think Bernard honestly did what he thought was right for Silo. I do not like him. I'm not trying to defend him as a good person. He's not. But I think he was trying to put into place as easily and as cleanly as he could the type of thing we are talking about. And, and you know, maybe for the greater good, you have to kill a few people to get them out of the way. I mean, that sounds awful, but, like, in these situations, you, you don't have a lot of time 
for change. To make I honest- change is really difficult. Honestly, um, I don't think that's what Bernard was about. I don't think he was doing this for the good of the silo specifically. I think he was doing what he did for the good of Bernard's silo. He wanted the silo to run his way and he wanted to be in charge. And that's the only reason why he did things, you know, so our, you know, way, yeah. if that's what you want to call it. He did it because it would give him power and it would give him control. That's because the assumption this, we are making from other characters' point of views. We never have Bernard's POV. But the when Bernard starts making a play for power is when Johns puts a sheriff into place that Bernard doesn't approve. And immediately he gets rid of Johns and he gets rid of the sheriff. Because he was trying I mean, to I do think it on the up and up. He was attempting it. He did, and as soon as he... Well, he wasn't attempting to spread knowledge around. He was attempting to put a sheriff into place that he could control. We don't know that he would have shared any information with that sheriff. We just know that that sheriff would have shared information with him. But the second Johns goes against him, he starts killing people off and trying to put his own people in place, which tells me that he wants the control. Yeah, that's when people really started to die. Yeah, you know, with with the death of death of Johns because she went against what Bernard wanted, and then Juliet was not a sheriff he could control, so he has to have her killed as well. Right, or really the first sheriff's death. That's really yeah. I mean, which is why it's so important to be the first book, you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, and then you know, there's that's not to mention like. The other people that he's killed. So. Nope. Yeah, that, to me, Bernard's like a Grindelwald. You know, it's for the greater good, but not really. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's, uh, I'm sorry. I I guess because after, and I did not think this until this discussion, but because of everything we've talked about, I mean, I... I can't say that with all certainty. Do I agree that's likely? Sure, it's likely. It's likely he's doing it because he's a total... Oh, sorry. Um, It's likely he's doing it because he's just... Don't be sorry, that's accurate. (laughs) It really is. I'm sorry. Uh, But that's likely. It's likely he's just doing it because he's selfish. Um, But it might be just as likely that this is literally what he thinks needs to happen... Because of what's going on in the other silos, because he has more information than everyone else, that we literally never get his point of view. I was waiting the entire book for his point of view in I order s- to know that for sure. And I, I don't. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I mean, peop- a lot of awful people, like if you think about it, is like, oh, yeah, they're trying to make humanity better, but they went about it all wrong. You know, and I feel like Bernard is that not only is he an awful person, he thinks he thinks deep inside his heart that he's doing the right thing, but he's not doing it the right way. I can agree with that. If you try and do the right thing by putting yourself first, yeah, it's not going to go well, and that's Bernard's problem. Well, it's hard. He's already in a position of major power, so that's hard to be like. Is Mayor really better than the head of IT? Uh, Mare's sort of, and they say it a lot, Mare's sort of like a ceremonial BS position. 
Mm-hmm. Is it really better? It sounds better to us because it sounds like a political position, but in the silos, does it really make a difference? No. Exactly. Well, we don't, we don't know has... that because, you know, she does mention, I don't really actually need your permission to do the things that I'm going to do. She's like, I ask for it as a courtesy. Yeah, I mean, like, no, she does say that, but typically... I think over time, the uh, the head of IT basically became like the shadow mayor. You know, the yeah. the current mayor would always defer to the head of IT. And uh, Johns doesn't, which is right. why she's a threat. Right. I mean, but she's been mayor a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, I mean, she really probably just got, you know, complacent. And so Bernard was used to kind of being able to convince her of things because she'd been mayor for so long and things had been running so well. And, you know, they'd always kind of sort of semi-agreed. Right. Yep. So she became complacent and he wasn't used to her going against his ideas. Yeah. I mean, his choice was the second on the list. Yes. It's not like his choice was completely unfounded and without any sort of... You know, his choice was on the list just to fill out the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just love Juliet so much, don't you? I do love Juliet. She is amazing. She is like one of those few <laughs> female protagonists that I truly love <laughs> and admire. <laughs> like, I don't agree with everything she does, yes. but I agree with why she does the thing she does. And I'm going to be real about when I say that as much as I criticize Peter, I don't think Peter Billings is a bad person. No. I just, I mean, even Martin said, I put it to him there to, like, fill him out, fill out the list, but Juliet's the person we want higher. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's nothing against Peter. I'm just quoting Martin's there. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a bad person. He just seems like somebody he doesn't question, which, yep. you know, let's be real. If we any one of us was in the position that he's in, would we think to question? Probably not. Probably yeah. not. Yeah, which makes Juliet so great. Um, and, like, I don't know, I really liked her adventure slash journey. Um, yeah. Especially when she was in Silo 17, you know? Yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. She did a good job there. Yeah. Um, that was That was tough. Like, she's basically making a plan to restart 17 to make it livable. Yeah. And all I could think was, how in God's name are you going to do that? (laughs) It's just so much, you know, to keep it running. Silo 17 is a weird ghost town. Yeah. Uh, I did not blame her for getting the hell out of Dodge, mm -hmm. even though I want Solo and the kids to do okay. I was like, Juliet, you gotta get out. Yeah, yeah, you need to go back to your own silo and save your people. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was frustrating for her only getting little snippets from Lucas of the uprising. Who was never allowed to leave the room, so probably yeah. didn't have yeah, that much in that the way much. of news. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, snippets. Like, news of news of someone who doesn't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it has to be frustrating because it's like her friends that are that are in danger. Yeah, her friends are the ones that are dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you? That was all really sad. It yes, was. it was. Oh, my. Considering you feel really strongly for the mechanical folks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. 
And they were like trying to be really like methodical and really thorough with all their plans to take over IT. And I and like so they had guns, right? Mechanical. Yes. But they were shotguns. They were homemade shotguns. Okay. Yes. And so, but IT, they had more modern guns. Yeah, yeah they, they had, like, right? automatic Yeah, weaponry. okay, okay. I just wanted they to would, be they clear. They guns we recognize. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, like, not even fair. Like, the the defense weapons they have is also inferior to IT's, you know? Like, everything they get is inferior. I had so many logistical questions about that, you guys. <laughs> Like, I'm reading that going, wait, how many uprisings have there been, though? Does Mm -hmm. IT have only the guns? Well, they can't be making more bullets in supply. They would be wondering in supply what these were. How are they, how many stockpiles of bullets do they have? How many uprisings worth of bullets are left? What's going on? Like, I I literally (laughs) had so many logistical questions as I'm reading that part. Don't, like, doesn't supply have, like, because they do two sets of things for IT and for everybody else. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure if they're making more bullets, then it's, like, the other supply that people don't really talk about, you know? But someone would have noticed. And supply would have used them for the uprising. I I just... Maybe there's a huge stockpile in the secret floors, you know? somewhere, right? Yeah. Or IT has their own, you know, bullet production. That's true. They don't have any machines like that. But the I well, does IT get the suits made by supply or like some yes. like su- supply in the IT department? You know what no. I'm saying? No, supply. Okay. Supply make, gives them the parts. IT makes the suits. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's true. But if they were creating gunpowder, they would know. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. Um. We would know if they're creating gunpowder. We would know if they're creating shells. They're not. I, I truly we didn't believe. know that they had a whole secret room. Yeah. We didn't know that they were murdering people. <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> That's true. We don't know. We don't know like what else is what else it was hiding. How many floors they're actually hiding? You know, we don't know any of Frickin that. Freaking Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. So like. I don't know. I think Silo 17 would have been the perfect place for Juliet to kind of explore and discover those hidden places. That would have been really interesting. I know she was busy. But that was not Juliet's mission. No, I know it's not her thing. But, I mean, she could have asked the kids or something. The kids could have told her. I'm sure they went exploring. She's a fixer, man. She is a fixer. Um, She's a good leader, too. Like, she really took charge, you know, no matter where she was. It's probably why I like Juliet so much, because she's a project person. Yeah, <laughs> she really she does. She's like she goes, okay, this is what we have to do first. So I'm gonna tackle this first, and then we're gonna do this. Like she's very methodical. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just I don't know. It's so good. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't want to live there. I'm just. I'm saying right now. Oh my god, no! I would not want to no live in a way. silo for anything. Like. <laughs> I oh, think and this was a discussion we had. Though. Yeah, I don't. Was. I don't think I would have lived in a side. I said no. I. I think I'm just gonna kind of waste away in the outside world. Yeah, if our world was going to be poisoned and there would be literally like 50 silos worth of people, would you go live in a silo? Uh, only if I was pregnant. <laughs> like when you were going in, you know, like yeah. they were like the silo's ready and you're pregnant. 
and I'm pregnant then, mm-hmm. and they wanted me, only only reason I would go. That's un- that's fair. That's understandable. Um, but I think other than that, even if I was young, I don't think I would go. No. I definitely wouldn't go if I was old. I don't think they'd let you anyway. I- yeah, that'd be weird, I guess. I'm Humanity sh- is ending. But you have to go into this horrible dark hole for the rest of your life. But <laughs> you could help support humanity's last final breath. I, I mean, maybe. But only if I was young enough to have kids. Yeah, never if I was old. Yeah, never, no. Ever, ever, ever. I also think, like, because obviously there's more people than, than can be held in the silos. They, I'm sure they did, like, some lottery or, you know what I mean? I mean, everyone so, seems pretty smart. I think yeah. they... They probably They're... took a certain slice of humanity. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure not a lot of old people, you know, unless they were like super engineers or something. Yeah. Actually mm-hmm. went to the silos. I'm sure it was more like 20s, teens, kids, if, you know, they have families. So, like if you were, I don't know, if you're 60, I don't think they would have allowed you in. Or they were like the bouncer would have stopped you at the door. Yeah, <laughs> they were like lower priority. I, I would I would think. I'm yeah. sorry, sir, but you're going to take up too much of our medical supplies and food. So uh, you can stay out here for you know the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, but it's, thank you for trying. It's tough, you know, but they only can hold so many medical supplies and have so many people in the medical unit. No, I know you. Re- like I said, you have. These are the really hard calls. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to judge these people yep. because of the calls they have to make about, you know, what's at stake. Yep. Yeah. And it just makes me think, like, well, so what, up to 50 maybe? And, like, I'm sure the morta- mortality rate would lower, wouldn't it, in the silos? Or at the age know. that pe- people die? Even though they have the medical technology? You know, um, because of the wear and tear on the body, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Right. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, especially mortality to birth, I'm not quite sure how they deal with population control. Like, I wish they would get into that more because I want, like, legitimate, legitimate numbers. Like, <laughs> how is the lottery a good system? <laughs> well, well, because they only open the lottery when somebody dies. Mm-hmm. When somebody dies, so you're really only replacing. But that, but the thing is, you're not guaranteeing that those cu- that couple has a child. Yeah, that's Just, why they only have a year. Yeah. yeah, and then you give it to somebody else. Right. So, how much has the assuming that, and assuming more than one person dies a year, how much has the population declined since the silo opened? Because. Not every couple has a child, and they have a full year to have that child. So, like, how? Yeah, how? What is the population decline rate? So, I like these are the questions that go through my head because I'm well, crazy. you would have to think like if the population is declining, then they'll just open up the lottery to more people. Yeah, you have to yeah. assume that, right? Yeah, because I mean, say somebody, you know, say I win the lottery. And then somebody else dies. Okay, well now you win the lottery, mm-hmm. and then somebody else yeah, dies. Okay, well like, Susan wins the lottery too. Yeah, it's not like one couple per year, you know. I know. I get that. I get that. Yeah, I do. And yeah. I mean, 
they keep it seems like they keep really close records on who's born and who dies. Yeah. So they might have a really accurate count of the population. I, I would think it would go down a little though. Yeah. Especially at the beginning. Well, I would think after each uprising, yeah, there would have too. to be a lot of lottery winners. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Because yep. think about it, in this book alone, you know, the five stories that we just read, how many people died? Yeah, that's At true. At least ten. Yep. So then there would be ten lotteries, I'm assuming. Right. Exactly. For that, for that year, for that time. Yeah. And then, you know... That's tough. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live in this kind of world, honestly. No, it's terrible. Yep. Not not a fan. That's why even if I was young um, and I wasn't pregnant, I wouldn't probably go in. But I, I think, think knowing my luck, I wouldn't win the super secret ballot to get in the silo <laughs> anyway. But <laughs> Me neither. I have too many, like, you know health issues like the sinuses oh my god i couldn't live in there but it's just my sinuses the dust the dust alone will probably kill me <laughs> yeah they don't talk about how they deal with that yeah like cleaning in general yeah air filtration and <laughs> susan you've just won the lottery to you know preserve humanity let's go i'm sorry i can't yeah, my sinuses no, are gonna my kill sinuses, me they're awful <laughs> no thanks <laughs> yeah i don't think so and like i i feel like I don't know. Do a lot of people like in wear glasses? A few do. Yeah, they cost a lot. They talk yeah, about that. Right. They talk about glass yeah. being extremely costly. Right. So I'd, I'd probably just die from falling off the freaking stairs. <laughs> oh no! <Muscle laughs> I'm sure they'd hire somebody. <laughs> They'll hire somebody to guide you up and down. No, I mean they have rails, so. That's, oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure they have rails. So they no. do. They do. You just wouldn't know which floor to stop at, so no, you'd be really tired. I'd, I'd be the one, like, just up against the wall squinting, looking at the number. <laughs> oh, no. No, thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about Susan's adventure in a silo. This is a, a pretty hilarious, It won't hilarious, be very actually. long. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be funny, but not very long. <laughs> um, so overall, then, guys, did you like it? I did. I don't know if I'm going to continue with the series. No? Um, it took me so long to finish this book. Longer than it normally takes me to finish a book. And it's not that it wasn't interesting. It's just that it's sort of depressing. Um, there's very few, like, up moments in this book. Uh, I really liked it, but we'll see. But what if you can discover more about the silos in the other books? Right, that's what Wikipedia is for. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, though. I'll, I'll wait to see if I if I grab the second book, and maybe I'll hold out. <laughs> How about you, Jeanette? Well, did you like it? I really did like it, and I do want to continue reading because I am really interested in the other silos. And to my understanding, how these other books kind of talk about how the silos came to be and what this process that all the stuff that we were questioning where all of it comes from and how it all works so i really do want to know so i'll read it and i'll tell you guys if it's good well so. i'll be reading it too I, I really liked it as well and if there's 
more people like Juliet, I'm all for that. <laughs> well, Shift also seems to be a smaller book, right? Shift is the next in the series, and it's only three parts as opposed to five. Five. Yeah. Yeah, there's Shift and, oh, I forgot the other one. Dust. Yes. Dust, Dust thank you. It's the third and last book, which I'm not yeah. sure is out. Is it? Nice. I believe it is. Um, and then there's um, there's short stories about the uh, about before, too. There's like three short stories mm, about okay. before the cellos. Right, that would also be fascinating. That's what yeah. I want to read. Three <laughs> short stories, boom. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you'll probably quick. get a lot of your questions answered, Tara. Right. Yes. So, Shift and Dust both came out two years ago. Okay. So they are out, and mm-hmm. I'm going to read them. Yes, one of these days. <laughs> the Apocalypse Triptych Collection. Hmm. Great huh. name. <laughs> so there's a lot of material to find out more about this world, which is fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a great. Um, it's a great world that he's created here. It's a creepy world, yes. but it's a good one. Yes, agreed. yeah, definitely true. So, well, yeah. for next month, we're going to hop to a different futuristic world um next month we will be reading ready player one by ernest klein and Yay. this one this one is uh, one of our rare rereads so mm-hmm. i'm really excited to talk about this book again you guys i love this book so much i i want to tell everyone why we're doing a reread um it's because our book for this coming month that we're doing uh with the book club is super long so if you're Doing this in real time with us, start reading that, too, on the side. Um, it's called... Cu- oh, Cushiel's so, Start. Thank God. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, I, I heard the hesitation. I'm thank there. you yeah. so much. So in the meantime, um, we've talked about this a lot in the past. This is a lot of our... Fav- one of our favorite books we can never read. get tired of talking about um, this book so no, we figured, really can't. Ex- exactly we figured it'd be easy for us to <laughs> and very enjoyable for us to talk about yep. um so join us for yep. that and very timely because it's just been announced as a film yep. as well Ooh. as we were talking about films with so, steven well, spielberg yes steven spielberg. <laughs> i'm so excited so spielberg's directing it's just it's going to be coming out hopefully soon so mm-hmm. yes we'll get to talk about dream casting as well as the book itself yeah yeah so look forward to next month it should be really fun it's very ready player one eccentric so yes be phenomenal um in the meantime guys if you're wondering about any of the books we've talked about so far at this podcast uh you can find our show notes on our website sunriserobot.net uh you can find us under er book club uh, also, let's talk about where to find all of us in general. Uh, Susan? Well, they can find me on Twitter at Rudy Kaicho or Google Plus, which is Susan Lyons, and Goodreads, which I think I put under a Sue Lyons. But, I mean, if you go to Goodreads and find ER Book Club or Eclectic Readers Book Club, you'll find us all. Yeah. Yep, so you could also find me there at uh, our Goodreads site under Eclectic Readers um, or goodreads.com slash JMT Rivera. And I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette. So D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. And where can we find you, Tara? Uh, also at the book club uh, page on Goodreads. I know, completely shocking. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but you can find me there. You can also find me on Twitter at Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. Um, also, if you want to support the show, just want to say shout out to that. Uh, go to sunriserobot.net slash support. Um, and guys, I guess that's it. So let's shelve it again till next month. All right. All right. We'll see you next month then. Bye. All right. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.